and welcome to the Trek in Sci-Fi podcast. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is another edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, the longest running Star Trek podcast on the internet. This is going to be podcast number 91 for December the 10th, 2006. I'm back from Germany, and I'm ready to podcast, so here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, again, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, your host for another edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I appreciate everyone who has taken the time to download and listen to podcast number 91 of this uh, this long-running Star Trek Sci-Fi podcast. Uh, I think about the uh, the one with uh, the, the longest run of uh, a Star Trek and sci-fi-oriented show on the internet as far as podcasts go. Well, I got back from my week-long trip in Germany, safe and sound. Uh, the trip went well. Look for, if you're interested, on the Trek SF or Treks in Sci-Fi, each of those URLs.com on both will get you to the main website. Look for on the Flickr gallery. In the next few days, I'm going to post some uh, pictures from my trip to Germany. It was mainly a work trip, but we did get a little time the first day there to kind of explore the city. They had uh, sort of a Christmas, uh, I don't know what you call it, it was an outdoor little uh, shops and food and, and warm uh, gilly wine, they call it over there, which is sort of warm wine you drink, and they had beer, and of course, and bratwurst, and all those other great uh, German th- foods and drink out uh, for the holidays. Uh, you little kids could get pony rides it was a neat little thing the weather was pretty good it was a little warmer than in michigan and it's it rained most days a bit but uh that wasn't bad so it was a good trip Uh, a little tired out right now still still a little jet lagged uh but i'm getting back into the uh into the routine it's about a six hour time difference from michigan to germany they're six hours ahead of us so it's uh, It takes a couple of days for me to get back used to the, the time zone that I'm in, but everything went well, And but I am as uh, I am happy to be home. As Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz says, there's no place like home. Before we get to the main uh, Star Trek uh, episode commentary subject, which I'm going to be covering an episode of The Next Generation called Parallels, which has been requested by a few people and is a... It's a really interesting Worf-oriented episode from from late in the run of Next Generation. It's from the seventh season, but we'll be getting to that in a few minutes. But before then, I have a couple of uh, listener calls to play. One of them is from a listener, uh, Ron in Maryland, just wrote in to to discuss uh, what he thinks of Treks in Sci-Fi, and I'll play that for you right now. Hey, Rico. Um, This is Ron from Farsville, Maryland. Uh, I've been uh, listening to your podcast for uh, a couple months now. Uh, uh, when I first discovered podcasting, uh, one of the things I looked for was, um, you know, something you know in, involving uh, Star Trek, and uh, I found your podcast, and and uh, I, you know, I saw you've done many of them. Uh, I, I discovered it about six months ago. And uh, I started from the very beginning, and I'm up to, um, I think, about number 70 right now. And uh, I finally, um, you know, took the time out to um, leave a message for you just to tell you how much I very much appreciate your effort in in producing these things because they are so very entertaining, informative, and uh, and I, I mainly listen to them at work. Uh, every night, and they really, really do uh, get me through uh, my work schedule. So I just wanted to take the uh, time just to let you know how much I appreciate uh, what you do. Uh, 
and uh, um, I guess uh, probably take me about another week or two to catch up to your current schedule. So, um, so uh, take care, Rico, and uh, I hope. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. And um, if you do decide to play this on your podcast, I just uh, say hello to all your listeners because uh, it, this is a good community. Star Trek uh, people. All right, take care, bud. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, thanks very much for that. Uh, nice compliments, uh, Ron from Maryland. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I've had uh, you know several calls and, and emails over the months that I've been doing the show, or, or more than a year now, about a year and three months or so, give or take. I you know I get a lot of comments about people uh, listening to it at uh, at work or on their drive. Uh, to school or to work, those kind of places. And, you know, that's what's great about podcasting. It, one of the reasons I really started to like it a lot was it, it it's, a, it's a really nice thing to listen to rather than the blabber that's on regular radio, and it's a nice change of pace from just listening to music. You can learn a few things, be entertained. Uh, I, you know, I listen to probably about, I don't know, maybe about eight or nine other podcasts each week, all of them uh, real interesting and a lot of fun. So thanks, Ron. I appreciate your uh, call. Oh, by the way, if, if anyone else would like to call in, there's a, uh, uh, a number you can do that with, uh, or you can always email treksf at gmail.com with an audio file, but the voicemail for the show is 206-88-TREKS, and you know, just leave me a little voicemail message, and it'll probably end up on the show sometime. I've got to really uh, get caught up on uh, all the TV uh, that's sitting on my TiVo while I uh, was recording while I was gone in Germany. I haven't had a chance yet to to see last week's episode of Heroes, which is uh, from what the little bit I've heard from a couple of people that already saw it that I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I guess it uh, was pretty interesting and ended in kind of a cliffhanger. That would be the last episode before they're taking a little break here for a month or so before they come back. I've got to catch up on the last episode of Battlestar Galactica and a couple other things that I watched, but I will definitely catch up. On the uh, the news front, uh, I check the, the headlines, Sci-Fi Wire, things like that. Before I do the podcast, I usually do that normally. A couple little things I want to mention, and then we got one more phone call, and I'll get into the Star Trek episode. The one thing that caught my eye was uh, there was a little bit more info on the next Star Trek movie, uh, dubbed sort of Star Trek Eleven, uh, whatever it's going to be called uh, after that. You know, the one involving J.J. Abrams, uh, it looks pretty... Pretty confirmed, not 100%, but I'd say about 90, 95% confirmed that J.J. Abrams is not only going to produce the movie, uh, he's also going to direct it. Uh, so that's uh, that's not really surprising news. Uh, one thing, though, uh, that bothered me a little bit, or a couple things in this press release that I read, one was it sounds like maybe they're going to push the date of the movie back. It was scheduled kind of for a, a 2008 uh, film. They would probably film it sometime next year in 2007 and release it in 2008. Well, now uh, CBS slash Paramount is saying maybe 2009. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. I, I hope that's not the case. I, it seems to me a long way away, especially since they've already got a guy attached to the movie. Supposedly they've got some scripts partially or you know some in some state done. So we'll see how that all, all plays out. Uh, but the other comment that was in this press release about them trying to re uh, reinvigorate or something, uh, re- retool almost, it sounded like the Star Trek franchise. Uh, reinvent is another word for the way. I, I'm not sure exactly what wording they use, but it just kind of sounded a little scary to me, you know, that they're, you know, there's this talk they're going to go back and do uh, an early Kirk Spock story. Uh, I, I just hope they don't mess with things too much. I think there's just a lot of ground they could be covering in a post-Next Generation Star Trek universe without having to go back and mess with the past. Uh, So, well, we'll see how this all uh, turns out. And, of course, I'll try to keep everyone who listens to the podcast as informed as I possibly can. I've got uh, one more uh, call from uh, a John who is uh, an American uh, living over in Moscow in Russia right now, and he listens to the show, and he I think he's called in before. This is John's comments on my last week's podcast on Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. So listen to what John has to say, and then I'll be right back, and we'll get into the Star Trek episode of the week. Hello, Rico. This is John Sumlek, again, 
from Russia. Uh, I enjoyed your podcast last week about Star Trek Three, and um, actually, um, I had originally kind of given that film uh, the shaft uh, first time around, so I'd, I'd like to track it down and watch it again after listening to your review. I, I do have a few um, kind of quibbles about it, although maybe I don't remember the film as well, and, and maybe these aren't valid, but first of all, one thing about Star Trek III that it, it, it's something that happens in many uh, television episodes as well is this idea that a very small handful of crew members, basically the Star Trek cast, can operate the entire Star Trek Enterprise ship. I mean, I mean, you know, isn't is it really possible for the quote unquote skeleton crew to operate it when normally the ship is operated by about I, I don't even have any idea, but you know, hundreds of people, I believe. Another smaller point is, you know, I remember you playing a scene where the crew members um, gave the codes to destru- destroy the Enterprise, and it just occurred to me. You know, I think um, Kirk and the others had been reassigned off the Enterprise. Wouldn't have all the codes, including those to command the Enterprise in the first place, been have changed and have been you know de- you you know redetermined by some randomization program? So that that's something that I I don't know. Maybe that was explained somewhere. Uh, finally. Um, the plural of nemesis is nemeses. Signing off. Hey, John. Thanks a lot for your call from uh, all the way from Russia. It uh, came through real well. Actually, it wasn't a call. It was an audio file. So thanks a lot for that. Those uh, those always sound good on the show. As far as your comments about the, a couple of things in, in Star Trek Three, let me just try to answer it. And, and, and truthfully, both of them are sort of like one of those... Um, well, you kind of have to take some of it with a grain of salt. The first comment about your, you know, or about the, the small group of the officers that, that sort of steal the Enterprise and were able to operate it with with uh, no other crew. You know, the Enterprise has always been a 400-plus crewed ship, approximately, and how, how can just, like, five guys operate the vessel? Well, the movie does try to explain it a little bit. Scotty does some, you know, Scotty wizardry miracle worker stuff and basically computer controls the whole ship from the bridge uh, allowing them some limited control uh, and and it does sort of you know come back to haunt them or or not really work out real well because the minute they go into battle against the klingons they can't you know the ship becomes kind of overwhelmed and they lose control of it and are pretty well damaged in other words if they had a full crew they could have probably put up a better fight so it's not foolproof uh you kind of have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. You know, it was a plot device. They wanted to take uh, McCoy and, and try to rescue Spock and the whole the whole story. So, you know, there was the group of them that did it. They, they grabbed the Enterprise, left Dry Dock, and so forth. You, you know, it's it's a movie cliche a little bit, but it, I think it kind of works. I mean, Scotty's supposed to be, like, the best engineer in Starfleet. So if anybody could rig up some computer control for a starship that could temporarily allow them at least to uh, fly it away and maneuver to some, you know, so forth. Scotty'd be the one to be able to do that. As far as the destruct codes, if you if you notice, I'm not sure if I played the clip that that said it, but in, in Star Trek Three, they get back to Earth, and the the Enterprise is basically going to be decommissioned. Up until that point, though, Kirk uh, and and his officers and crew had been pretty much in charge of the Enterprise, so there was no really chance in there for them to change any destruct codes and things like that so that one i don't really have a problem with at all i think that makes sense it's not like uh you know the minute they got to dry back to dry dock somebody would whip in and and change all the computer codes because the enterprise was being sort of mothballed so that that okay i think is within the plot i think that works so so anyway john uh it, it sounds like it's still pretty much uh you know yeah, we take a look at the movie again. I think you you'll enjoy it, and those aren't really big concerns anyway. I think they're uh, they're kind of minor, but uh, hopefully that cleared some of that up for you. Uh, coming up right now, we're going to be looking at uh, the episode parallels of the Next Generation. Is Worf losing his grip on reality? You don't remember us falling in love and getting married? His world keeps changing right before his eyes. What is my rank and position? Your commander and first officer. Now he faces an uncertain destiny. 
Mr. Worf does not belong in our universe. With no escape from this mind-altering nightmare, next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. This uh, seventh season episode parallels from uh, TNG is a rather complex story involving, uh, mainly involving uh, Worf uh, going through a lot of different parallel universes. So what I thought we would do this week, which I've done before, is do sort of a full episode commentary while I watch it. I'll comment on the show and discuss some of what I think is good about it and, and things. So without any further ado, let's ra- get right into the episode, Parallels. Personal log, Stardate 47391.2. I am returning from the Batleth competition on Forcus 3. The conditions were difficult. Several contestants were maimed, but I was triumphant. I won champion standing. I am looking forward to resuming my duties aboard the Enterprise. However, I am anticipating a troubling situation. like we're going to have to head into the Argus Array. This is the third time this year it stopped relaying data. Michael Dorn is beginning to think that it's more Worf was, uh, was always great in the role of uh, Klingon. Probably one of the best, most well-rounded portrayals of a, of a Klingon Lieutenant? within Star Trek's history. Are you listening to me? Hmm? Uh, yes, sir. You seem awfully tense for a man who just came back from vacation. Uh, today is my birthday. Well, they're going into Worf's quarters. He's kind of a little wary. He's worried they're going to be doing something for his birthday. What's the matter with you? Because it is my birthday, I assumed that you or one of the others would try to mount an unexpected social gathering. A surprise party? Mr. Worf, I hate surprise parties. I would never do that to you. I'm sorry, Commander. Settle in. I'll meet you on the bridge. Aye, sir. Yeah, good old Commander Riker, the best poker player in Starfleet. I love surprise parties. <laughs> A couple of things about this episode. It was written by Brandon Braga. You know, him, he along with Ron Moore were the primary writers for a, a good, good chunk of Star Trek The Next Generation, especially from about seasons three on. This episode parallels is from season seven, the, about midway in the season, and the crew, the cast, uh, very well seasoned, very well used to their characters. There's a lot of character moments in this episode interplay that you wouldn't really be able to have in you know one of the earlier seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I think uh, I think that's one of the things that makes this a really fun, good episode is because of all those moments that they have. Uh, this episode. It kind of reminds me of there's a there's a comic uh, series Marvel has done, and I think DC has a has a similar t- title out there that they've done, but I don't know the name. But Marvel Comics do, does a series of comics called What If, and this episode of Next Generation is kind of like that. Uh, Worf ends up going through all these different little parallel universes uh, aboard the Enterprise, different sort of takes on 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 how the Enterprise could be with the crew a little different and the relationships a little different. And that's a lot what these Marvel comics do. They're like, what if, you know, Spider-Man had gained the powers of the Hulk or something like that? And, and this is like, well, what if Worf was not chief of security? What if he was first officer aboard the Enterprise? Or what if he was married? Or or what if he wasn't there at all? And, and, and a lot of things like that. So we'll be getting back into the episode now. 
and they're they're offering him uh, a big cake with a lot of candles on it. Uh, Worf is is uh, you know he's not very happy about this. He he, he doesn't like this kind of uh, big deal made. That was not a Klingon song. It wasn't easy to translate. There doesn't seem to be a Klingon word for jolly. It's traditional for the birthday boy to cut the cake. Captain Picard sends his birthday wishes. He was needed on the bridge. It's a uh, it's a big big chocolate cake. Uh, of course, Deanna Troy, uh, Marina Sirtis is is gonna love it. Happy birthday, Worf. Thank you. Data gives him a uh, kind of an abstract painting. You know, Data was uh, always a painter on the show. A painting. Yes. I've entered my expressionist phase. This is my interpretation of the Battle of Heros. The Battle of Heros. I think it's wonderful. And I know just where to put it. What are you doing? I always thought this room could use a little more color. She pulled a uh, like a, a Klingon shield off the wall and nice. replaced it with the painting. The Battle of Heros, right? Worf, are you all right? Worf is sort of unsteady yes. on his feet. He's yes, getting I a little dizzy. I think Data's that. painting is making me dizzy. Some cake. Thank you, Doctor. That's one of the signs that I, he's going to slip through one of these parallel universes. The cake was chocolate. Don't I wish. This is from Alexander. He gave it to me just before he left to visit your parents. Thank you. These pieces of cake they give him are just huge. <laughs> it's a cast of Alexander's forehead. The ridges of a warrior. He wished he could have been here when you got back from shore leave. You should have seen him, Worf. He stayed up all night talking about how proud he was of his father. Thank you for watching him while I was away. Oh, it was my pleasure. So, how old are you, Mr. Worf? Captain, I was told you could not attend. I wouldn't miss this for the world. How old are you? I am... Old enough. <laughs> I like that uh, I like that answer old enough Enterprise is in front of this big Report. space array The array appears to be functioning normally sir I can't be right We were told the array stopped relaying data 6 days ago The array is still transmitting data sir but it is no longer sending that information to the federation It appears someone has redirected its imaging systems Where is the information being sent now Sector 19658, sir. I am unable to access its main Brent computer. Brent Spiner, of course, so is data again. He's, uh, he's just really perfect in What's the in role. I, I was kind of sorry that what happened in the end of Nemesis with, with that. Uh, although they left room for him to Captain, come back sometime as the, as the second data the or the replacement. Begin uh, downloading their imaging logs. Find out what the array has been observing for the past six days. Make it so. Mr. Data? Make it so, number one. Worf is heading into uh, 10 forward. You know, I really liked when they added that set. I thought Excuse it was me, a Counselor. great idea have a to have uh, a sort of a set they could all relax on, uh, sort of rec area, bar, uh, place to I've been meaning eat. to speak with you about Alexander. Oh. It has never been easy for me having Alexander on board. I have tried to be a good father, to give him guidance, but he seems to have his own mind about some things. Most children do. I could not have come this far without your help. And Alexander looks up to you. At times, I have felt that you were like a mother to him. Worf, that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. One time when I thought I was going to die, I asked you to watch over Alexander. I was wondering if you would consider formalizing that arrangement. I want you to be Alexander's Sokchim. His Sokchim. You would become his surrogate mother. In case anything ever happened to me, you would be responsible for him. I don't know what to say. It's a great honor. So, um, that would make me your... The closest analogy is 
Stepsister. That would make my mother your stepmother. <laughs> uh, Michael Dorn's expression when uh, she says that is just perfect. It's... <laughs> it is a risk I am willing to take. Loxana Troy is... Uh, Lieutenant Worf. Played by Major Please Barrett. Report to Roddenberry is, is a little overpowering, and, and Worf's a little scared of her, I think. We have analyzed the imaging logs. It appears the array was reprogrammed to observe several Federation sites. This is Deep Space 5, Starbase 47, the Iadara Colony, and the Utopia Planitia shipyards. They're responsible for new starship development. Someone is using the array for covert surveillance of the Federation. That is our theory. We believe unauthorized access was made six days ago. The imaging logs from that day show a ship approaching the array. That is a Cardassian ship, Galore class. We're only three light years from Cardassian space. They would have easy access to the array. Mr. Wolf, start a long-range scan of the region. See if there are any Cardassian ships. It's kind of hard to believe Arthur. the next generation has been off Wolf, the air now almost uh, almost 15 years. We're coming up on the 15th anniversary of it when it went off. Lieutenant. Or I'm sorry, I, I, I got that wrong. We're coming up on about the 13th, excuse me, and it ended in 1994. My math is a little faulty this morning, a little tired still, a little jet-lagged. Worf, you don't look so good. Maybe you ought to go to sickbay. Okay, Worf uh, got a little dizzy for a moment. Yes, perhaps I will. And he basically shifted to a slightly alternate uh, enterprise. Any nausea or blurred vision? No. However, I did experience some dizziness earlier today at my birthday celebration. Sounds like you're having some of the side effects from the concussion. I can give you some vertizine for the dizziness, but I'd like you to rest. Doctor, perhaps you are thinking of another patient. I have no concussion. Worf, you came in here this morning complaining of ringing in your ears. I scanned you. You had a concussion. You don't remember any of this. No. Temporary memory loss is common for this kind of injury. Do you remember telling me about the Batleth tournament? You said that one of the competitors hit you over the head. That's why you lost the match. I won that tournament. And I can prove it to you. Gates McFadden as Dr. Crusher always uh, does a great job. He went back to his quarters to get his trophy that he won from the Batleth tournament. It says ninth place. Which is not the trophy that he originally came back to the Enterprise. This is the same trophy. With... Someone is playing a trick on me. Worf, try to stay calm. Memory loss can be very disorienting. Log. I recorded a personal log on my way back to the Enterprise. The thing I always liked about Computer. this episode and this what-if idea is you go kind of through life a little bit. Sometimes you'll have a uh, kind of a large decision maybe to make about a job, a place to live, what to do. And when you think about it, each time you do something like that, even the small decisions, things uh, from then forward are forever basically changed than if you had basically chosen the other path. Uh, sort of a, kind of think of it, I always think of it as sort of a tree with a bunch of branches, and each time you you get to another intersection, you take, you know, a, one path or the other, and then you do it again and again and again. I know I can think back to, in my life, where there were two or three understand. sets of, you know, or more a set of circumstances well, that I'm sure if I had done something different, things not just for myself but for a lot of other people uh, would have been vastly changed. It's it's really strange to think about it sometimes. And, you know, you always just try to put one foot in front of the other. But there are those times in your life where, you know, you wonder, well, what if I had done, you know, and gone to, you know, this school instead of that school or or lived in this state instead of that state or country and, and that kind of thing. Very interesting stuff when you think about it.
Lieutenant. Have you completed the metallurgical scan of the array? Sir? The metallurgical scan. Have you completed it? I do not remember you asking me to... Captain, there's a Cardassian ship approaching. Galore class. Open a channel. On screen. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. You are in Federation territory. Please explain your presence. We were wondering the same thing about you, Captain. Why would Starfleet's flagship want to venture so close to the Cardassian border? We are repairing one of our subspace telescopes. I see. May we offer our assistance? No, thank you. Everything is under control. If you don't mind my asking, what exactly is this telescope of yours designed to do? It is a long-range subspace array. We use it for gathering data on astronomical phenomena. I'm certain it I would just tell this Sarkardassian to, uh, you know, pound salt. I mean, it's Federation space, Certainly Federation not. piece of equipment. Well, then, uh, why don't you just get out of here, okay? Repairs. Just try to make certain that your studies are limited to astronomical phenomena. Charming fellow. Captain, that ship was responsible for reprogramming the array. What are you saying? It is the same class and energy configuration as the ship we saw in the imaging logs. The imaging logs? Are you suggesting that you have evidence that the Cardassians have tampered with the array? They are using the array now, as a Now, Warp is thinking device. about the you other the timeline yourself. here, or the other what-if scenario, so his original universe. Commander Data, show them the logs you downloaded from the array. I know of no such logs. Mr. Wolf, are you feeling all right? Yes. Mr. Data, perhaps you had better re-examine the array, see if you can find any evidence to support Mr. Wolf's claims. Dr. Crusher says I am experiencing further memory loss, but my instincts tell me it is more than that. I remember those imaging logs. I can tell you every detail, every word. Wolf, let's assume for a second you're right. That things did happen as you remember them. Are you saying that everyone's memory on this ship has been altered but yours? Enter. Counselor. Worf, I wanted you to know that we re-examine the imaging logs. They don't show a Cardassian ship. Or any evidence that the array was reprogrammed. Yeah, LeVar Burton as Jordy LaForge. Uh, I think I've said this before, but the right. Jordy LaForge's character that... was originally named What's after a, uh, a Star Trek fan that uh, was a, a handicapped individual, and Gene Roddenberry felt it was very important to have uh, somebody with some type of a handicap on the Enterprise. Counselor, the painting that Commander Data gave me... It has moved. Worf, I hung that painting there. At your birthday party, remember? No. The painting has changed. Don't you see it? Your hair and your clothing, they have changed as well. He's obviously slipped Worf, through into maybe another you should come with me to sickbay. Parallel, uh, now, Mr. Worf. Well, now he's back up on the bridge. Now! Cardassian ship coming towards them. They're on red alert. Lots of trouble. What are you waiting for? Raise the shields! This panel configuration has been altered. I do not know how. Direct hit. Engineering section and deck 42. Shield generators are overloading. Number one. Firing photon torpedoes. Full spread. Direct hit on their main reactor. They're returning fire. Captain, we've sustained heavy damage to the deflector systems. Hull breaches on deck 17 and 36. Ensign, take us out of here. Maximum warp. Aye, sir. Are they pursuing us? No, sir. They are firing on the Argus array. 
They destroyed it, sir. Bridge to engineering. Mr. LaForge, what's your status? This is Ensign Hayes, sir. Commander LaForge has been taken to sickbay with plasma burns. There's serious damage to the secondary plasma conduit, but I think we've got it under control. Oh, we're uh, goofed up Ensign pretty Lana big here. Starbase 129. Aye, sir. The bridge is just slightly altered, too. It looks a little different. What happened back then? Obviously, again, he slipped into a, an alternate I uh, believe I experienced another universe. memory loss. Memory loss? What are you talking about? I do not feel well. Request permission to be temporarily relieved of duty, sir. Granted. Mr. Warth, he's so confused. So I think we're, what are we at, about the fourth different uh, parallel uh, universe that he slipped into now. Now he's back in his quarters, Warth is. Things are different again. There's flowers on the table, the place is decorated differently. Computer, access personal logs on Shuttlecraft Curie. Play log entry for Stardate 47391.2. There is no log entry from the Shuttlecraft Curie for that Stardate. Computer, display any log entries concerning the Batleth Tournament on Fortis 3. Personal log, Stardate 47391.2. There has been a malfunction in the ship's main deflector. It will require two more days of repairs. As a result, I will not be able to in the Batleth tournament on Forcus 3. I have asked my brother to take my place. He does not have my prowess with the blade, but... So see, everything even in the past for him now, since he slipped into this one, is changed. Why'd you lock the door? Why shouldn't I? I heard what happened on the bridge. Are you all right? I am not sure. Excuse those clicks. Something I would rather not, Counselor. Activated. Very well, Lieutenant. Hot chocolate. Is there something I can do for you? Actually, there is. So, uh, Troy is a lot more familiar uh, and a lot more friendly with warfare than normal. Why is that, I wonder? <laughs> this is funny. She went in and sat down on his bed, and he's, like, peering around the corner at her, like, What are you doing? Come and sit down. I just want you to relax for a minute. And she loosened up his uh, his long hair. It's all loose now. You are tied so back. tense. Now I know you don't want to talk about what happened on the bridge, but there are times when it's just best to let things out. Come on. If you can't talk to me, who can you talk to? Hmm? Yeah, she tried I to kiss him. I do not believe this is appropriate behavior. Even for your wife? Wife? Uh-oh. Worf, what's wrong? I do not know. Things are changing. What's changed? I do not remember us, you and I, being mates. It is as if events and circumstances continue to change from moment to moment, but I am the only one who seems to be aware of it. Are you saying you don't remember the last three years? You don't remember us falling in love and getting married? I do remember the last three years, but they were different. 
We just thought the uh, idea of Troy and, and Worf together kind of made sense, almost a little more than uh, Riker and Troy together. They seem uh, a little similar, you know, both kind of uh, emotional people. No one believes me. And I, I don't know, they always, and in real life, uh, Marina and Michael Darn are our best buds, so that kind of comes through, I think, in the, in the Next Generation episodes that, that they're featured in. And that I love you. And together we'll find out what's happening. I am initiating a subspace scan to search for temporal anomalies both on and off the ship. Counselor Troy, please report to sickbay. I'm on my way. Let me know if you find anything. Commander. How long have I been married to Counselor Troy? Two years, one month, 12 days. And when did this relationship begin? It is my understanding your romantic affiliation began shortly after you recovered from your spinal injury on Stardate 45587. It was six months later that you asked Commander Riker for his formal permission to court Counselor Troy. You felt to do otherwise would be dishonorable. And then we made it. I am not privy to the exact details <laughs> of when, where, or how your first coupling took place... I could investigate it. Oh, that is all right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I am detecting no temporal anomalies in this system. Perhaps we should attempt to pinpoint the exact moment when events became discontinuous. Do you remember the first change? I was in sickbay. Dr. Crusher told me I had a concussion, but I do not remember that happening. Think back. I'm noticing they must have goofed up for this change? scene. It, data in engineering in this scene does not have his normal yellow contacts in. His uh, yes. his eyes are looking blue here. So I don't know if it's just a reflection I felt in the a wave of dizziness. but I don't think I so. I think they, they kind of goofed up. I think they forgot to put his contacts in, or or maybe his eyes Captain were bothering them gone. that day. But I thought I had his eyes are definitely blue in this scene. If anyone has these DVDs, check out this scene. It's a little uh, glitch. You know, that kind of stuff happens in television where continuity errors or... Uniform, and costumes, or makeup—little things to change. But and then suddenly he was there. No big deal, really. We should try to find the commonalities in these events. Who were the people you were with? Everyone was at my birthday party. Then I was with Councillor Troy. Then Commander LaForge came in. You're trying to trace down when Joy. this is happening. Each Joy time he changes, at shifts. all three locations. And he was near me in each case just before I noticed the differences. There has to be a connection. It is possible. We should speak to Commander LaForge. Doctor, is Jordy well enough to answer a few questions? Jordy's dead. He took some burns from Worf's uh, inability to get the shields up in this timeline. Unusual readings: energy residuals from the plasma burns, beginnings of cellular decomposition. I see nothing that connects these bio readings to your recent sense of discontinuity. What about his visor? I still see nothing unusual. Perhaps we should activate it. Uh, hook it up to the diagnostic array and I'll check it out. Well, I wanted to mention uh, that I'm reading a, uh, a new Star Trek novel right now. I started in on the plane rides to Germany and back called Titan uh, Taking the Wing, which, set, uh, which is set right after Star what? Trek Nemesis right. involving Riker and his crew on the Titan. Have you noticed another discontinuity? Uh, back to the show. Was not here. Worf Dr. just Ogawa switched was. again. Dr. Ogawa. And Worf's uniform, uniform has changed. changed. What is my rank and position? Your commander and first officer. Are we still married? Yes. I am detecting a quantum flux in your cellular RNA. What does that mean? Do not <laughs> yeah, know. that's what we all want to know. I will have to analyze these readings. Yeah, Worf has a red uniform on now with a different type of comm badge. 
basically I have what found that the quantum flux well, of warp cellular RNA extends to the subatomic level. It is asynchronous with normal matter. In essence, Captain, Mr. Worf does not belong in our universe. What? All matter Riker in the universe is in command right now of the Enterprise level, and Worf is his first signature. officer. That signature is constant. It cannot be changed through any known process. It is the basic foundation of existence. Are you saying that Worf's quantum signature is different from ours? Yes, sir. I cannot explain it. It is as if he originates from a different quantum universe. Mr. Worf, you say the discontinuity started to occur after you returned from a Batleth tournament on Forcus 3. Yes, sir. Now, I know for a fact that you never attended that tournament and that no shuttlecraft has left the Enterprise for over a month. I understand that. But I also clearly remember attending the tournament and returning to the ship in a shuttlecraft. Do you remember the route you took to return? Yes. Let's backtrack that course, see if there are any unusual readings or anomalies. Aye, sir. If I may inquire, sir, how long have you been captain of the Enterprise? Four years. Ever since Captain Picard was killed in the incident with the Borg. You don't remember any of this, do you? I do remember. I just remember differently. Different and better. You know, it's... Oh, here's Captain, Wesley. I'm picking up a minor subspace disturbance off the port bow. Full stop. Aye, sir. Analysis, Mr. Dale. It appears to be a quantum fissure in the space-time continuum. Well, yeah, those are everywhere, you know? The anomaly cannot be seen, but I believe I can enhance it with a warp field to make it visible. They also have a Cardassian as a member of the on the bridge. Not from this distance, sir. I'm also detecting an ion trail intersecting the phenomenon. Wesley's their tactical officer now. Starfleet Type 6 shuttlecraft. So I was here. I have an explanation, sir. I believe the quantum fissure we discovered is a fixed point across the space-time continuum. A keyhole which intersects many other quantum realities. What do you mean, quantum realities? For any event, there is an infinite number of possible outcomes. Our choices determine which outcomes will follow. But there is a theory in quantum physics that all possibilities that can happen do happen in alternate quantum realities. And That's somehow so cool. I have been shifting from one reality to another. That is correct. How did this happen? You know, when if you think about all your decisions being actually happening in all different I believe its universes. warp engines caused a small break in the barriers between quantum realities. Warp was thrown into a state of quantum flux. He immediately shifted into other realities. And Geordi's visor somehow triggered that effect. Exactly. The visor uses a subspace field pulse. I believe that whenever Geordi came near Worf, the field pulse intensified the quantum flux and pushed Worf into another reality. This is what's well, known as Star Trek Next Generation state and return to it. Album. We could scan the quantum fissure using a subspace differential pulse. Maybe we could find the quantum state that shares Worf's signature and find a way to get him back. An excellent idea, Lieutenant. Yeah, Wesley's a lieutenant now with Lieutenant Wesley. Now they're back in uh, their quarters, Troy and Worf, uh, learning basically that this whole thing, Worf, what's going on with it. From what I understand, there's a good chance my Worf won't return. I guess it's just hard for me to accept it. There's a reality out there where you never loved me. Deanna, I have always considered you a close friend. And although I have never seriously considered a romantic relationship, I would not be opposed to the possibility. What about our children? Children? You didn't know? When the last shift occurred in sickbay, we did not have any children. What 
We have a little girl, Shannara. She's two years old. And a three-year-old boy, Eric Christopher. What about Alexander? Alexander? He was my son in another reality. Return fire. They've damaged our power system, sir. It's caused an energy surge within the subspace pulse. The quantum fissure is beginning to destabilize. Can we disengage the pulse? Too late, sir. What the hell is happening? No, the barriers between quantum realities are breaking down. Other realities are emerging into our own. Yeah, there's a just huge number of enterprises sort of appearing on their view screen all around them. Pretty cool stuff. The Bajoran ship is disengaging, sir. The rate of quantum incursions is increasing exponentially. At this rate, the sector will be completely filled with enterprises within three days. Captain, we're receiving 285,000 hails. <laughs> I wish I knew what to tell them. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Data, can we stop these incursions? Perhaps. If we can find the ship that matches Commander Worf's quantum signature... How would that help? It was Worf's shuttlecraft which traversed the fissure and weakened the barriers between quantum realities. If he re-enters the fissure in his original shuttle and emits a broad-spectrum warp field, it may be enough to seal the fissure and stop additional realities from entering our own. What then? How do we get the Enterprises that are already here back to where they belong? In theory, the act of sealing the fissure should restore the barriers between quantum states. The ships would return to their own realities. In theory, of course. Lieutenant Crusher, send a general hail. All ships. Aye, sir. This is Captain Riker of the Enterprise. That is the Enterprise that is indigenous to this universe. We've all encountered a quantum anomaly. We think we have found a way to return us all to our proper realities. But we need to find that ship which exhibits a certain quantum signature. Our Mr. Data will transmit that signature to you now. Can't we all just work together and get along and put Mr. Worf back where he belongs? Anything? There's too much calm traffic, sir. It's tough to isolate who's talking to who. You know, Worf was... Uh, Originally, not really going to be on the, sh the show very much. They had Tasha Yar, and he eventually grew into a, a Captain, pretty popular it character. We have found the quantum signature you were looking for. Data believes that by sending Worf back through the fissure again, it would return us all to our proper realities. Our data has said the same thing. We need you to send us your shuttlecraft Curie. We're launching it now. Thank you. It's good to see you again, Captain. It's been a long time. They send the right shuttle? Yes, sir. It matches Commander Worf's quantum signature precisely. I have remodulated the shuttle's engines to emit an inverse warp field. You will need to activate that field. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Technical babble, technical works, babble. Will I find myself near my own ship? That they, is one uh, possibility. You know, they, However, the uncertainty they kind of overdid that occasionally at TNG, you know, with the techno babble. But you may the story, the essence of what's event, going on in this episode is just so cool. I think no it, it, it definitely overwhelms even all that techno babble. This idea of all these parallel universes with different realities of of your life would be, uh, you know, that'd be an amazing thing to kind of be able to visit. Like Worf has 
has had the chance to in this episode. Now he's saying goodbye to uh, Troy. And hey, why not? She's sort of your wife in this universe, so he gives her a kiss goodbye. Uh, if only season 8 had happened in TNG, I think they might have got them. They started to lean against, or lean against, lean towards having uh, Troy and Warp have some kind of a relationship in the, the ending year or so of TNG. Now Warp's heading out of the shuttle trying to get back to his own Setting reality. Setting course for the Fisher. Acknowledge. Captain, the shuttlecraft is under attack. The Bajorans again? No, sir. It's one of the Enterprises. They're hailing us. Oh, here's a cool oh, part. Great. I forgot about this part. We won't go back. You don't know what it's like in our universe. The Federation's gone. The Borg is everywhere. We're one of the last ships left, please. You've got to help us. I'm sorry. There's no choice. If this works... Everything will return to... No, we won't go back! Sir, they're firing on the shuttlecraft. Open fire. Try to disable. Direct hit. Their shields have collapsed. Their engine core's overloading. What happened? It looks like the ship had already taken heavy damage. Their warp containment field must have been weak. Probably from fighting with the Borg. Captain... Warp is entering the fissure. So there's a reality where the Borg were never defeated and basically Charging control the systems. universe. Pretty neat stuff. Initiating inverse warp field. And just push the button that says inverse warp field. Every every telegraphic has one of those. Well, this is a cool scene where there's like seven warps inside the shuttle. that for a second, you know, if things had changed in your life at different points in time, what, what you know, where you would be right at this point. It's uh, very cool stuff. This kind of an idea and storyline has Wolf been around in sci-fi for a while, but yeah. I think TNG did a really Captain, good job with it. Is everything alright? Yes, Lieutenant. Is that a problem? No, I do not believe so, but I will explain when I arrive. How is the Batlet tournament? was fine, sir. And he has his uh, winning trophy there. I won champion standing. So you think this quantum fissure is nothing that we need to worry about? No. No, I believe the inverse warp field resealed it. I'm looking forward to reading your report. He's a little hesitant to go into his quarters right now after everything he's been through. Something wrong? I know what you are planning, sir. I will not be surprised. Surprised? I don't know what you're talking about. Of course you don't. Home, Worf. I hope you don't mind I let myself in. I promised Alexander I'd feed his Dalvin hissing beetle while you were both away. So you do not live here? What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> it is a long story. Happy birthday, Worf. Will wanted to give you a surprise party, but I knew you'd hate it, so I talked him out of it. Thank you. I know Klingons like to be alone on their birthdays. You probably want to meditate or hit yourself with a pain stick or something. <laughs> Deanna. You do not have to leave. Oh? I have not had dinner. Would you care to join me? I'd love to. Aha! Mr. Wharf, you old dog. What are you doing? He pulls on your chair for her. 
champagne. So there goes the Enterprise off into the distance. Well, I hope you enjoyed this look at uh, the TNG episode Parallels uh, from the mid of the last season of TNG in the seventh uh, year it was on. Really an interesting episode. You know, Like I said many times when I was talking about it, uh, this idea of parallel universes, parallel uh, worlds out there that uh, may exist. You know, there, there's a lot of physicists that theorize, uh, let, me, let me speak correctly, theorize that these kind of things are possibilities and TNG did a cool, really cool job, I think, with it, uh, changing things subtly, but not so much that they had to build, you know, whole new ships or, or change things so drastically. I mean, when you think about it, all they did was really alter the relationships a little bit. The Enterprise changed a little, a few of the personnel changed, but it's uh, it's not so drastic. I mean, it could have been a lot more drastic. Worf could have ended up on a Klingon, you know, vessel, those kind of things, but you know, they're trying to do it within the realm of of the Enterprise and the crew there and the actors there. That You know, they would have been able to go off and have them be, you know, part of a Klingon ship and a lot of other different situations or realities, and it would change things so drastically. You know, he might have had a hard time getting back home. But um, So that's it for uh, the TNG look. Uh, I'm going to take a very quick break here. I'm going to come back with a, a short collectible review, and we'll wrap things up for this week's podcast. Hi, this is Len from Job on Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Okay, I'm back. Well, I haven't done anything on collectibles in a while, but I've gotten a few things in the past couple of weeks uh, that have come to me in the mail, some things that I've pre-ordered a while ago, and one of them actually came when I was away in Germany this past week, and I got a chance to unwrap it and take a look at it yesterday. And I think it's a really neat piece, and I wanted to talk about it. It's a uh, Star Wars collectible. It's made by Gentle Giants uh, that do a lot of the nice statues and busts of uh, different Star Wars characters. What this is is it's a it's a Princess Leia and R2-D2 statue about, uh, I guess it's about 10 inches high or so, 9 to 10 inches high, and it's a sort of an what they would look like as animated characters. Uh, Gentle Giant has been doing a lot of these animated statues uh, for uh, some of the prequel-type characters. Anakin, uh, General Grievous uh, is out, and they're doing now some of the original uh, trilogy characters. This is Princess Leia and R2-D2 on this particular statue. They're they're doing a a Luke in X-Wing gear. They're doing a Darth Vader, an animated-style Darth Vader. C-3PO. They did a Boba Fett. Uh, that's out now, an animated style Boba Fett. So it's it's a really cool piece. Now some people, I'll put some pictures up uh, in the collection gallery like I normally do and in the podcast notes for this week. I got this from actually enter, entertainmentearth.com. They have them uh, in stock and there's several places that have them online right now that you can find them. But there are some people out there that have had sort of an issue with the way Princess Leia is uh, sort of uh, made in this statue she's uh let's just say she's a little more endowed uh uh, than than she is in reality you know anytime you make someone in a sort of cartoonish stylized look you're sort of gonna sometimes maybe overemphasize certain things uh so they kind of made princess leia look uh well frankly pretty darn hot in this uh statue and uh i think that's one of its appeals for a lot of a lot of the collectors out there I, of course, like it just because it's a cool Star Wars piece. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with the way Princess Leia looks, of course. But, you know, they, they I, I don't know. I think people get a little carried away with with um, with that. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, look at look at any kind of works of art through history. I mean, you know, just it's a uh, one person's take on, on it. And if you like it, buy it. If you don't, uh, that's fine. It's uh, relatively inexpensive as far as statues go. It's well painted. Uh, it's, it's very... I think it's uh, the issue number is there's an 8,000 number in this issue series. So it's a limited edition. I got, I don't know, some 3,000 something number. I forget what it was exactly, but it's it's a real nice piece. Uh, It's got a nice base. It sits well in a a cabinet. I picked up another uh, recently, another Ikea cabinet uh, 
glass cabinet to put it in. Those things, uh, I keep filling them up. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty nice to have an Ikea locally to me now. So, But uh, Gentle Giant, I really think, is doing a great job with all their Star Wars pieces and busts, and this is no exception to that. It's uh, If you're a Star Wars fan and collector, this, is a, this to me is a definite must-buy. It's, uh, it's very well done, and Gentle Giant just keeps uh, knocking hits out, if you ask me. They've got some cool pieces coming up in the near future, and I will probably be picking up a few of those. I think I'm definitely going to get the animated Darth Vader-style statue when that comes out, probably the Luke as well. I'm always a little bit more into the original trilogy characters than the, than the prequel characters, so most of those, if they do those in this animated style, I will, I will probably be getting so. But that's it for uh, for the collectible for this week. Gentle Giants, Princess Leia, and R2-D2 animated style statue. Well, folks, that's going to just about do it for me for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope uh, everyone's uh, getting uh, everything settled for Christmas. If you're a person that celebrates Christmas, getting your Christmas shopping done, I know I need to do some. I lost some time when I was in Germany and got to hit the stores this week and pick up some things and maybe order a couple things online. Oh, I wanted to mention, uh, since I think I have mentioned on the podcast once or twice, uh, we managed to, uh, actually my son and and wife, uh, last weekend when I was in Germany, they managed to snag getting a Nintendo Wii. He uh, he, uh, sat outside in front of a Circuit City last weekend for a couple hours in the cold waiting, and he was first in line, and they had like 15 of them. So we now have a Nintendo Wii. And I have to say, this is a pretty slick little system. Those little motion-controlled Wiimotes that they've got, uh, really a neat idea. And I, I think Nintendo really got a, has a winner in this in this game system. I, I like it a lot so far, the, the little bit that I've had a chance to see and, and uh, test it out. So uh, next week we'll be doing uh, another episode, of course, for the weekend. Uh, I'll try to maybe slip in a, a podcast uh, midweek this week, maybe look at another animated Star Trek episode. But if I don't get a chance to do that, I'll be back next weekend with another show. Again, thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, me ramble on about Star Trek and other things for this week. And, uh, hey, if you get a chance, go over to Podcast Alley, look up Treks and Sci-Fi, and slip a vote in there for the month of December. Until next time, folks, uh, have a good week. I will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.